Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise God, praise God. Amen. The book of Psalms, chapter 133. It is so good to have missionaries with us from Norway. Brother and Sister Spears, would you welcome them to the anchor? We're so glad you're here. Amen. God bless you. Amen. The beautiful country of Norway. We're honored to have them, aren't we? Amen. I want to say that um, on March the 15th, we are having our annual God's House offering. And many of you might say, what is God's house offering? This church back in 2008 began to move forward with a powerful commitment to global missions, giving to churches all over the world. As you know, we have a full-time missionary out of our church, uh, two different full-time missionaries out of our church that we sponsor, one to Southeast Asia and one in Guatemala them and their families that we sponsor they don't even have to deputize because this church has given sacrificially to global missions and we're thankful for that I think you ought to clap your hands and thank God for that since then we've given way more than a million dollars to missions and um, so thankful for that But about three years ago, the Lord spoke to him and he said, because the anchor has invested in other fields, speaking of our seven campuses and global missions offerings that we have planting churches around this southeastern Ohio, the Lord said, I'm going to pour back in to the anchor church to give and bless God's house here. That's why you see all these renovations. Amen. Aren't you glad for the renovations and and the updates and the decorum that you see? We're trying to get our baptismal fixed over here. We've been a little delayed with that, but we're getting it. We wanted baptisms to be out here so everybody could participate in it. And uh, we've got it where the preacher that baptizes is going to get down the water with them. Amen. The Bible says they both went down into the water. And so uh, we're excited about that. And so God's house offering is what I feel that God said. I'm going to bless the body with abundance. So in return, not only give them to global missions, but they can give back to God's house here. So the Lord has blessed you multiple testimonies ever since they made pledges to God's house. People come up and they said, I got a raise at the job that covers, more than covers what the Lord told me to give to God's house. Same way with global missions. People came up and said, God spoke to me to give the faith promise, our faith promise offering in November. And they said, God would speak to me. Then I'd go back to work and And the job would say, hey, we decided to give you a raise and it would cover. Some would get three times as much back what they give the global missions. How many know God blesses a cheerful giver? Amen, amen. And so March the 15th, your commitment from 2019 is due. Make make sure you go back and review that and look at that. And then we will recommit to another year of giving to God's house as well. Two major offerings a year. Of course, we believe you give offerings outside of a church. You can bless your neighbor, bless the poor, 
orphanages, widows, and fatherless, and all those things that go with that. It's not all come to the church, but we believe one of your offerings or two of your offerings can be global missions giving and also God's house. Everybody shout God's house. So we're gonna come on, on March the 15th and you can continually, some of your monthly commitments, but some of you are waiting to give that all in a lump sum on March the 15th, which is fine. And so may the Lord bless you and I want everybody to be involved with that. Even get your children involved. That They say, hey, this is where God has called me to serve and be blessed. God's house offering. Amen. Isn't it a privilege to give? It really is. Psalms 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together, not just together, but in unity. It's pleasant. It's pleasant, isn't it? It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. When Aaron was anointed with that holy anointing oil, there was an aroma went with that that just changed the atmosphere where he was. That descending anointing that come upon his garments. It compares it also to something else as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Everybody say, he commanded the blessing. Even life forevermore. What he's saying is, when the church gets in unity, God commands the blessing. A house divided will fall. A church divided will fall. We are in great unity in this church. It, it really is. This church is in great unity. But I believe that God would have me to teach today on this, the power, the power of being united. I believe God wants to unite us like never before because of something greater he's going to do in the recent months to come. Some Look at your neighbor and say, greater things are yet to come. Amen, amen. I want you to link arms with your neighbor just like this. Link arms with your neighbor. That's it, everybody. Link arms with somebody beside you. Let's pray for unity. God, we pray right now that you would unite the anchor church like never before to be one in mission, to be one in purpose, to be one with you, oh God, united together for a greater cause than we've ever seen. I pray today that, Lord, this church would move like a mighty river to remove every obstacle in its path, to do a great work for you, oh God. We love you today and we magnify you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen. God bless you as you are seated today. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I don't do it very often, but we're gonna read some verses together. Romans Romans chapter 12, when I say very often, read this many verses together. But I feel like teaching you today what Paul talked about on a church that he is united. Romans chapter 12, reading with verse 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your 
God will never ask you to do something that's not reasonable. Holiness is reasonable. Being acceptable unto God is, everybody say it's reasonable. So he starts off by saying that you need to present your bodies a living sacrifice, denying your flesh to be holy and to be acceptable unto God. It's our responsibility to live a life that's acceptable unto God. And be not what? Conformed, that means identified with this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everybody touch your mind. Say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Praise God. That's one of the things that the media fast has done for us. It's allowed us to disconnect from the world and get closer to God. I've had so many people to call me or text me or tell me, Pastor, thank you for calling a media fast. I'm now reading my Bible and getting so much more out of the Word of God. Can I get a witness from some more people in the building? Amen. I thought about relieving you all from that tomorrow because it's been three weeks, but I think we ought to go through Wednesday at least. How about it? There's a divided crowd here on that this morning. For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Look at your neighbor and say, you're different. They weren't insulting you. They're just being real. Some of you said, I told you so. Pastor, just back me up. You're different. You are different. We're members individually, but we're one. We have different offices, but we're one. We're a part of one body or one church, yet we're different, but for one purpose and one cause. We must have diversity in the body, but it doesn't mean because we're diverse it ought to be division. Paul made a great statement before there was ever social media. He made a great statement. He said, do not compare yourselves among yourselves. It's not wise. We have offices individually. We have purposes, amen, singularly together as a body. He goes on to say, so we being what? Many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Not one divided, but one of another, meaning that what I'm lacking, somebody else has. And what someone else is lacking, somebody else in the body has. Whether you like to admit it or not, you are limited and you cannot do everything. But everybody together can do everything. When you become united, there is nothing impossible for us to accomplish. Nothing. Somebody shout nothing. 
There's no such thing as a one-man basketball team. There might be the guy that's better offensively. He might be able to shoot better than maybe some of the guys because that's his strong suit, his accuracy in shot. But somebody's got to protect the play. Somebody's got to protect the ball before they even give it to him. And he's not going to do it all himself anyhow. It takes a team to accomplish the impossible. God believed in this so much. In teamwork, he said that we're two or three I gather together in my name. He said, that's where I am. He didn't say where you are. He said where we are. Where, where the us is gathered. And I think some people get this ideology that they can be singular with Christ and that's all they need. But he did not design you that way. He didn't even design Adam that way. He said, Adam, it's not good for a man to be alone. He designed him a companion. He gave him Eve to complete him because he was not fulfilled alone with God. Don't misunderstand me, but we sing songs that says, he's all I need, and I agree, Jesus is our source, but he didn't design us to only have him. If that was the case, we would not need a church. We wouldn't need anybody praying for us because all we have is God. And that's why he said, when the latter times, when you see the hour approaching, assemble yourselves together because you can't have unity alone. That's why he says where two or three will agree on any one thing, he said, I will do it. There's power in agreement. And it's one thing for you to believe, but when you and your brother link arms, something happens in God's eyes. God shows up when two begin to gather together. Somebody say amen. There's a verse that can be seemingly out of context, but in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible says that we know in part. We look through a glass darkly. What that means is means we only have part of it. We have a portion of it, but we don't have all of it. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't have all of it. God gives you a portion, then he gives somebody else the other portion, and when, it, and when you put it together, it becomes united, and that's what God uses. God would never give a man all of it. He's going to give him a portion of it to show him that he needs his brother or needs his sister because God said, no flesh is going to glory in my presence. Nobody's going to attain to the level of God. No one. He designed us to need another. Even when a man is used in the gifts of healing, typically that gift is not for him or anything that belongs to him. That gift is for others. If that was the case, every time you got sick, you'd be palming your own head. Don't need nobody. I got the gift of healing. I'll just pray for myself. I'm not saying you can't pray for yourself and be healed, but God didn't give you that gift all for you. He gave you that gift to be shared with the body. That's why the Bible says, are all apostles? Are all prophets? No. We're not all have it all, but we have a portion. But there's something in that. When I understand I've got a portion, that means somebody needs me. 
And it also lets me know that I only have a portion. That means I need them. Don't let the devil deceive you and cause you to stay home from church because you got it all together. You've been deceived. That's why he said don't think of yourself more highly than you should. You need the body. You need a preacher. You need somebody in your life. You need somebody else praying for you. You need somebody seeking God for your life. Somebody say amen. You may be seated. That's why he said to God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. You got a portion of it, but you don't have all of it. He goes on and says, verse six, he says, having then gifts differing. Let's go back to verse five. One more time and read it. So we being what? Many are one. Everybody hold up one. You know what? It doesn't matter how small my toe is when it hurts. I'm distracted. You ever stubbed your toe? I don't know how Finn's little desk ended up in my room in the middle of the night. You know, I can't see in the middle of the night anyhow. You know what I'm talking about? Even if there's some level of light, it's blurry. There was no level of light that night. I'm getting out of bed like a blind man, making my way out of the room, and somehow I stubbed my toe. I was glad I saved at that moment. <laughs> Even though the member seems to be small, it affects the whole. And so the hand cannot say to the toe, I don't need you. Neither should the toe say to the hand, you don't need me. It is not the will of God to say, I'm not needed at the church. That's unbelief and it's a sin. It's a sin. Well, if I didn't show up, they wouldn't miss me anyhow. You have no clue how far you are away from biblical truths when you make that statement. Well, if I don't show up, they're not going to. No, you got to understand. It's like cutting your toe off. Something's lacking. You don't realize how important your toe is until it gets cut off. One man had to have his toe. I, I knew of a man one time, he, he got his co- toe cut off by a lawnmower. And he said, I didn't realize how much my toe brought balance to every step until it was gone. He literally had to learn to walk again. So before you stay home from church, You better think about the body. Before you stop praying, you need to think about the body. Because I didn't ask you to come to this church even though I might have invited you. You were added to the body because no man can add to the body of Christ but Christ. I might have invited you. I might have witnessed to you at a, at a restaurant and you showed up here. Many other the members of the body might have brought you with them. But it wasn't them that... that made you a part of the body. The Bible says in Acts 2, the Bible says, he, speaking of God, added to the church daily such as should be saved. And if God added you to the body, who are you to say you're not needed in the body? 
you've got to, just because you can't sing doesn't mean you're not important to the body. Just because you're not a musician doesn't mean you're not important to the body. Somebody say, I am important. Now I want you to look at your neighbor now and say, you're different for a reason. Come on, look at them. And I want you to say to that person beside you, you're different because you are needed here. Some of you are driving 50 miles to get here today because God brought you here because the anchor needs you here. You're bringing something to the table that the pastor can't bring to the table. You've got a gifting that God has called. Do you believe that? I think you ought to respond to that. I really feel that right now. God has brought you here. I'm gonna tell you something else. It was prophesied not too long ago about the church that there would be people that would be driving 100 miles here. You know why? Because there's something lacking somewhere and God's gonna send them here to bless us while we are blessing them. We've got what they're missing and they have what we are missing. Come on, you think the church is big enough or you think we're gonna get bigger? God's got a greater plan, a larger purpose, a larger thing for us to do. Amen, somebody say amen. You may be seated. He goes on and says, so we being many are one in Christ and everyone members one of another. Not just different from another, but we're of each other. We're linked. We're connected. Everybody say we are one of another. Lakin broke her arm when she was four. Some teenager picked her up and decided to throw her in the air and she wiggled as a kid would and he was a stranger and she really didn't know him. When she came down, she fell on her arm like this up with her feet in the air. And uh, she said her elbow was hurting. Had her checked out. And they x-rayed her arm and found out it was not her elbow, it was her shoulder. She had broken the bone in her growth plate. But her elbow was hurting not her shoulder. They had what you call deferred pain. That where the break actually was was not where it was hurting. It was in another part of the body because the shoulder's connected to the elbow. See, sometimes in the body it's so powerful that you're going through something and somebody else in the church feels your pain. And they sends a signal to where the brokenness and somebody walk up to you and say, I've had you on my mind in prayer. I don't know why, but I woke up this morning, you were on my mind. I've been seeking God for you. My heart is troubled for your situation. Don't get offended in them. They're not judging you. They feel something. They're connected to you. I remember one time being in the meeting, Reverend Billy Cole, using the gifts, stopped in the middle of his preaching. And he turned around and he looked at one of the men on the platform. He said, Brother Mills, on the left side of your body, you're hurting right here. God has seen that pain in your body. What's going on? He's going to heal you right now. He could literally, in his own body, feel the pain in that man's body. I believe this. The Bible talks about gifts of discernment. That's why the scripture tells us, Brother Lee, Sister Teresa, in a couple weeks, you're going to be talking to us on Wednesday about prayer. But the Bible says we should be praying with all prayer Everybody say all prayer, all supplication, praying for all saints. Everybody in the church 
should be praying for somebody and sensitive about what they're going through. We got to quit this mindset that only the pastor, only the priest can do all the ministering in the building. You can do a whole lot of powerful things on your knees praying because you feel the deferred pain from somebody else. I mean, you want to be sensitive to the spirit in that. And man, I'm glad to tell you that, that we prayed for Lakin and Lakin was scheduled to see the surgeon and, and God healed her at four years old when by the time she got to the surgeon and showed up with the x-rays and the x-rays were retaken that the break had been healed because there's a God that can heal anything. How many know that? Honey, Jillian was born two and a half months early, two and a half months early, and uh, that, that day that you started feeling something was wrong and uh, your water broke that night at 29 weeks of pregnancy, we rushed and Jillian was born that night at, at 29 weeks, two and a half months early. And thank God the Lord touched her and healed her. This church prayed, was so powerful. But you know what we found out is one week, one week before our baby was born, Brother Nutter, who comes to church every morning, he's passed on now, Brother Paul Nutter, he would pray right there at that front seat. Brother Jeremy right beside you, he'd, he'd pray there. A lot of times he had gloves on and, and, a, and a dark coat, he'd come in at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, he'd pray. He later told us that every day for one week he begged to let that baby live before the baby was born. How did he know that? He was connected to the body. There's, there's in the body of Christ, there is a, there's a nervous system that connects everything to the spinal cord of the church that connects to the head, which is Christ. The head of the church is not the pastor. He's a conduit. <laughs> If you're not praying, you're disconnected. But when you're prayerful and you assemble yourselves and you allow yourself to be connected, you know what happens? God's able to allow you to feel and connect and be a part of what God has to sustain his body. And your gifting becomes plugged in through the avenue of prayer. Everybody shout prayer. He could feel something in the body and started praying against something that was wrong. It's, it's, it's like the way the body works. It, it discerns something's not right. You ever get a fever? You know what the body's saying? There's an infection somewhere. There's an intruder. So there's something wrong here. What I'm preaching to you is when you're connected to the body, there's when you're weak, somebody else is strong and starts fighting for you. That's why being a church member is very powerful. Listen, people that say, well, I don't need a church. I don't need a preacher. I can do this all by myself. Cut your toe off today. Set it on the shelf for a week. You're going to hate that toe in a few weeks. You know what that toe is going to do? It's going to die because it's not connected to the body. Ever wonder why the devil's constantly trying to keep you from the body? Because if he can keep you from the body, he knows that you will dry up and you will die. 
That's why every daddy in this room, every father in this room, every husband in this room, every mother, you ought to do everything you can to keep your family in and near the body of Christ. Stay connected to the body and stay connected to the head of the body. Amen. You may be seated. Seated. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on what? Are you with me? Let's do some verses together. For he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Unity does not get jealous of your brother's or sister's promotion. Unity does not get jealous of somebody else getting a position. Unity does not get jealous of somebody else's success. Unity is happy that the part of the body is thriving. He said preferring, everybody say preferring one another. Not slothful in business. That means do your job right. Don't volunteer for something you're not going to do anyhow. Fervent in spirit. You know what that means? Passionate. Everybody shout passionate. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in. Patient in. Continually, continuing, instant in. That means being able to be quick to pray. Sister Nancy Woods, I felt in the service one time, I said, be careful. I said, if God quickens you to pray, don't postpone that prayer. Pray now. Y'all remember that? After service, Brother and Sister Christian and their family were headed to minister in the Cambridge church. And on the way, she felt to pray for them, not being anywhere near the car with them, and began to pray, oh God, protect the Christian family as they're going to Cambridge. And their car, something broke in the car. It slid across the interstate, flipped over the guardrail, but they, none of them in the car were hurt. Quick to pray. How many believe that's body discernment? Amen, amen. Watch this. Bless them. It goes on and says, um, Rejoice in hope, patient, tribulation, continuing incident of prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, being able to be sensitive enough to help a brother or sister that's in need, sometimes discerning it without them requesting it. Given to what? What does that mean? Blessing people. Welcoming people. Doing that with excellence. Hospitality is something we could teach here. It goes on and says, Bless them which persecute you and bless and curse not. Just because somebody's against you doesn't mean you curse them. Bless your enemy because enemies can't take you out unless it's God's will. Come on. I'm going to hang up, hang on that for just a minute. Just because somebody's against you doesn't mean God has left you stranded. God's going to get you where you need to go no matter what the enemies are saying. So just go ahead and bless your enemy. God's got my future. How many believe that? 
Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. You know what that means? I think we could do better at this as a, as a family. When somebody in the church has a loved one that they've lost, I think we could respond better with our presence. Viewings and funerals. We could. I think as a body we could do that because your presence is very powerful to people. See, there's a moment in your life that you can be quiet and still be powerful. We see this in the book of Joshua when they're going around the Jericho wall. There's, I guess, a few million of them and they're marching around the Jericho wall once a day for six days and then seven times on the seventh day makes 13 total times. And for 13 times in a row, he told them, he said, be silent. Look at your neighbor and say, don't open your mouth. Amen. There's a time to keep your mouth shut. And what he was saying was, just because you're not saying anything doesn't mean there's no power in your presence. Just because you're not worshiping or being vocal does not mean you're not having an effect. And I think some people do not show up because they do not know what to say. When there's nothing to say. So many times when a person dies, I show up in their life and I say nothing. I listen. When I'm asked to pray, I pray. But the truth of the matter is, when somebody dies, there's typically a thousand questions and there's no answer. And the fact of the matter is, there's nothing I can say at the moment to comfort them anyhow. Because all they want is that loved one back in their life. Nothing I say can fill that void. They don't even want God to fill the void. They just want God to get them back. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So when I'm there with that person in need, I'm not there because I have something to say. I'm there because I've got the king of kings inside of me and that's what they need is the peace and the power of the presence that goes with me as a part of the body. <laughs> Sister Spring, am I saying that right? Just be there. Sister Annie, grief share, am I saying it right? Don't walk to the casket. I'm teaching you today because we're embracing for a major harvest. Talking about being together. People should not go through those type of trials alone. And the body that shows up in reinforcement that we're with you, you're not going through this by yourself. And the casket's here and you stand in line and it's inconvenient. You might even have to take an extra hour off work. You might have to show up, maybe maybe come to the, to, to the funeral or something or viewing that night. You stand in line all the way out the door and you make your way one person at a time. Sure, you got things to do, but we're all busy. But he said to weep with them that weep. He didn't say you got to preach to them that weep. Just weep with them that weep. And you come up and you stand in line and hear their precious loved ones laying in that casket and you come over here and you shake their hand. Don't ever say, I know what you're going through. Because you don't know what they're going through. You don't have to say anything. I love you. I'm praying for you. And that is sufficient. 
Don't get up there and preach a sermon. Well, you know, time heals everything. That's not true. That's a false statement. You don't have to give some profound statement. You don't have to say anything. Just be quiet. Be there. I'm helping you understand because sometimes I know a lady that was a widow and she was weeping and crying. Somebody came through. They were trying to help her. They said, you're being selfish. Crying over your husband. He's in a better place. You ought to dry it up. He's, he's no longer having any pain. That was an ignorant thing to say. You think that comforted her? Oh, it didn't comfort her. I had a man that one time I went and just a young evangelist. I was probably, I don't know, maybe 18, 17 or 18. And I was preaching revival in Mississippi. And I stayed in a man's house who his wife had just passed away. Uh, she was 30 years old. He had a three-year-old boy in the house. Her pictures were still on the wall. I went in there and there was a little bit of a sorrow in the home. Brother Mark's a great guy. There was no answer why his wife had, had passed away at a young age. And, uh, and I'm, I'm there in his house and being there and just listening and preaching the revival. He opened up to me one night. We stayed up late one night talking and I was doing more listening than talking. I was 17. I didn't know what to say. And I'm sitting there and he says, you know, and he told me the story I told you about his mom, about when his dad passed away, what somebody said to his mom trying to encourage her. He didn't, they didn't encourage her. He said, when my wife passed away, he said, he said, he said, the person that gave me the, the greatest strength is the person that said nothing. I said, really? He said, I'd look out during that viewing. I'd look out during the funeral. He never said a word to me, but he was there sitting in his seat. And he said, I would just every now and then look on my shoulder and see that he was there. And he said, it gave me strength. He said, you know why? Because I knew he had been through the same thing that I would went through. And if he can make it, I can make it. Now, I'm going to tell you something I've learned as a pastor. Many of you have preached the greatest sermons in this pulpit. And you've never stepped in this building, never stepped to the pulpit. You know why? Because your life told a story that when chaos broke out, you were still here. The word of faithfulness, the word that God has been here. I'm coming to tell you right now, there's moments in our life that we can be silent and still be powerful. But I'm going to help you with something else. There's moments to be quiet, and that's when we can weep with them that weep. But how about rejoicing with them that rejoice? How about when somebody's backslidden family member comes back to the Lord and repents and the Bible says all of heaven, not some of them. All of heaven rejoices. It's another Jericho Joshua principle that says when we get to the wall and you hear the trumpet sound, he said everybody shout. I think everybody ought to shout hallelujah. I'm going to count the three. We're going to practice this principle. When I count the three, I want you to shout hallelujah. One, two, three. Something happens when we shout together. Rejoice with them that rejoice. I come to tell you, when somebody repents, we ought to all get excited about somebody giving their life to the Lord. Jump to your feet and clap your hands and shout amen. You may be seated. It's not fair somebody repent and you not get happy. It's not fair all of heaven rejoicing and we only get some participants here. The most exciting goal in your life should be a name written down in heaven. When I get up and say we baptized seven today, shouldn't be. 
Oh, that's nice. It's possible you could get used to the most powerful thing in here and become comfortable. I told my wife driving down the road one time, I preached a message about it one time, you'll get used to it like everything else. We're driving down the road, hadn't been married too long, let my windshield wipers on too long. I'm a little slow. Sometimes I'm a little late to the party, if you know what I'm talking about. Ron City said, would you please turn those wipers off? They're driving me crazy. I was feeling smart, Ellie. Newly married and a little arrogant. I said, you'll get used to it. I don't remember what happened after that. We're almost married 18 years and that's been okay, amen. But what I'm saying to you, is it possible you can get used to people being saved? Oh, somebody else got baptized today. That's nice. Oh, somebody else, somebody else. You know what you need to do? By rejoicing with them that rejoice, you rejoice with them as if that was your son or your daughter that just got saved. That's what it means. If you were happy that your husband came home, if you were happy that your spouse came to the Lord, that's how you respond. As if it was me. As if it was my family. Come on, I think you got to clap your hands into the Lord right now and praise him. You may be seated. How about rejoice with them that rejoice? Sometimes it's going to be a, a, a cancer healed. I'm still believing for Sister Megan to be healed. I am. I'm believing it every single day. I am trusting that God's going to heal her body. Go ahead and pray for it. Lord, in Jesus' name. Matter of fact, I take authority of that cancer in the name of Jesus. I bind it. I bind every tumor. I command it to shrivel up in the name of the Lord. Be healed. Megan, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Sister Lord, I know it's off the cuff, but I've just had on my mind this week, what if we took choir practice at 4.30 to her house? What if we just went there tonight and sang a song instead of coming here with an organ? We sang a song that we knew and we'd stand on her lawn and sing a song to her. Sister Southall, was she at her house tonight? I've pondered this for days. I've talked myself out of it about three times. But what if we had choir there in her lawn? And any of the church members that want to come will come and wrap their link arms around her house. You say, that sounds aggressive. Well, they say she has aggressive cancer. But greater is he that is with me. Why not? Why not tonight at 4.30 we go and pray for a miracle and believe that if God could knock Jericho walls down because a whole group started shouting, what if we gathered together and two or three would agree? I say we'd do it tonight. I say we'd do it tonight. I don't know where we're going to park, but that's what we're going to do. 
We're going to pray. You know what we do as a body? We pray and we trust God. We're going to rejoice with them that rejoice. Can you say amen? See, with unity, there's power. There's authority. When people gather together and believe for greatness of God, my, feel the Lord. Just praise him for a moment. Just praise him for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You want to wear tennis shoes? Stand out in the yard. We're going to sing, have a little church there. We have church at six because I'm going I'm to preach tonight. We're not going to be up here a real long time because it doesn't take God a long time to do a miracle. I just keep wondering that some point, whatever the cancer's been trying to do just stops. And then she just wakes up better. Just a, a pastor in, in Tampa this week, he said they seen 18, 18, I believe it was uh, terminal cancers healed since he's been there. God's just opened the door. God's not a respecter of persons. I've seen all kinds, I saw 10 cases of cancer healed in this church one year. Why not tonight? Why not tonight? Somebody shout, he's able. Amen, amen. The power of unity. Just, just stand. I, I'm, I'm going to close. I'm, I'm trying not to preach long. See, Jericho has a, a twofold principle as a body united. It is simply, there's times to be quiet, but be present. It also is, there's a time to shout and not just be present. Everybody in this room, well, I'm shy. You can still shout. I guarantee if you got your hand stuck in the fire, you say, ah! I don't care how shy you are. There's a moment you become fervent in spirit. Fervency is passion. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Later in your homework, okay, I'm teaching you, so here's your homework. Genesis 11. He said, because they were united, God said, there is nothing that they cannot do. They can do anything. Whatever they put their mind to. I close on this point. If you'll throw Joshua 3.15, God spoke to me two Thursdays ago in prayer in this foyer. Joshua 3.15, look what it says. It's talking about the Jordan River. This is a prophetic word for this hour. I want you to embrace what I'm going to give you. God wouldn't even let me tell anybody until I preached it last Sunday night in Alexandria, Louisiana. But look what it says. You have to understand Mount Zion, the dew of Hermon. He said unity is pleasant. It's like the dew of Hermon. Everybody say just a small dew drop. But when a dewdrop slides over the blade of grass and gathers another dewdrop to another dewdrop, the blade of grass begins to bend, drops down in the crevice of a rock that gathers other dewdrops that begin to run, what we call a trickle. Before it's over, it's just a small little stream that goes into a creek or creek, depending on where you're from. 
that creek turns into from Mount Hermon, the Jordan River. What starts off just one becomes, becomes innumerable. And what a dewdrop cannot do by itself becomes a raging Jordan River that will move anything out of its path. That's why you don't stay home. That's why you don't give up. That's why you don't quit. See, see when you get weak, link arms with me. When you get weak, and you can't do it by yourself, if you're linked, <laughs> point made, huh? It keeps you up. Woe to him that is alone when he falls. Two is better than one. For when he's weak, his companion is strong. Woe to him that's alone when he battles. Better is two than one. Why? Because when he goes to fight, he's got a warrior with him. When I'm preaching this congregation, you want to see your family saved? Don't try to do this by yourself. And he said, and as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan. Everybody say Jordan River. Go on. Next verse. And the feet of the priest that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. Just why the brim? Why the edge? Look what it says. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. Everybody shout during harvest time. Jordan is out of its banks. It overflows. If this is the bank of the river here today called the church building, during the whole time of harvest, the water's going to overflow out of the church. It's going to be running in the fields, in the streets. It's bigger than a church family. It's going to touch everybody outside the church, outside the bank, outside. I'm telling you what I feel is that when the Jordan becomes united, that it overflows outside of its banks and the miracles start happening, not in the building, but in the streets, in the fields, at the workplace, in your home. I'm, I'm telling you what I know. It's bigger than a church building. Unity is more than a church service on Sunday and Wednesday. See, you and I can be united when we're apart. Meaning the same God with me because we are connected in spirit. That though you're in another city, there's still power because you're united in spirit together. And what God does in Zanesville, he does in McConnellsville. What God does in Zanesville, he does in Guatemala. Because we are united. I want you to lift your hands all over the building. In Jesus' name. Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking. I want our altar ministers to come. Altar ministers to come. Now you understand why you've had thoughts of division and thoughts of separation and thoughts of not good enough. All from the devil to separate you from that which God has called you to serve in and be served in. Hallelujah. Some of you in this room, 
Say, I'd love to be freed from my addiction. Truth of the matter is, you tried to do it on your own, but you could not. Some of you have battled things that you've tried to overcome on your own, but you cannot do it on your own. Everybody hold up two fingers and say two is better than one. Because what you're missing, God has put in your brother or your sister. And that's why the Bible says, they, the believer, shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Why? Because God has put in them what's been missing in you. And when you agree together, miracle happens right now. Some of you that have been battling are about to be set free. Some of you that are secretly shamed because of the darkness that you've been in. I come to tell you, God wants to set you free today because there's power in unity. How many believe that? How many believe the body has what you might be missing? Every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here today and you feel the lacking in your life, would you raise your hand? You feel the lacking in your life. I see hands all over the room. It's because God has called you here to be ministered to by the body that you are already a part of. You just need to receive from the Lord today. I want all over the room, I want us to repent. God, I'm sorry for my sins. The only reason we have what we have is because Christ in us, the Holy Ghost in us, the power of God in us. Lord, we are who we are only by Jesus Christ. And Lord, your spirit within us is what we all need today. Joining in prayer, I pray God for repentance that you would move upon every believer. You would move upon every guest today that they would understand that they need you in this room today. Come on, let's begin to ask God to forgive us. God, we're sorry for our sins. We're sorry for our iniquity. We're sorry, oh God, for the things in our life that are not right. We don't want to be lost. We do not want to be broken. God, we want to be healed today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Brother John Hanna, come down here and help us pray. Preach the powerful message to our men this morning about the power of restoration. Come and be a part of our altar team today. Amen. If you need a healing in your body, you need salvation or deliverance, I want you to come. Some of you have been battling things in your mind, but God's going to set you free today. Come on. All over the room, I want you to come and have our altar team praying for you. The Lord has united us for the power of his kingdom. When they shouted, Jericho walls fell down. What was impossible began to be removed. Come on, all over this room, help us pray right now. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.